Government was supposed to do something to those guys, they doing these things. Let's take this brief break when we come back. Uh, yeah, one of our voice notes wanting to comment on uh, yeah, all of these heritage milestones. And uh, yeah, they might want to comment on Sharpville Day. Uh, we do know in the next few days or so it's Shaga's Day. And uh, yeah, uh, celebrating the milestone of Ushaga uh, Senza Ngakon, Ningan Bulal, Yinilembe Long and yeah, let's take a look at some of the tweets that have come through here. Pumlani Pewa on Twitter saying, Another 25 years uh, uh, for us as a country to uh, go back to normal. Because uh, poverty increases every year. I'm ashamed of our society. And uh, yeah, uh, it's Down Syndrome. What is that? Down Syndrome push up. But yeah, let's take a listen to uh, some of your voice notes as well. Sure, like As we it. approached mm. the war that you did wage, mm. thank you for the sacrifices that you made for humanity mm. in the land. We are signing this constitution at your doorstep to acknowledge your contributions. Thank you very much. Have a nice evening. Lucky. Thank you. Bye-bye. Lucky. Ah, man. Lucky, thank you very much. And I encourage South Africans this weekend uh, that are close to the Val here in Gauteng or out in the Val Triangle, just go out there. Go and check out that monument in the township of Shabville. Uh, you know, that monument uh, to the uh, immeasurable sacrifice of many of our people in 1960 who laid down in our lives in that uh, positive status campaign that was driven by the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania, of course, uh, followed and uh, following uh, many uh, uh, past campaigns uh, that uh, really, I guess, were significant, as like you were saying, in our national struggle. Uh, I mean, this large-scale defiance and civil disobedience, uh, which, of course, uh, segued into uh, armed forms of struggle, armed propaganda uh, by the Azanian People's Liberation Army and Umkondo Wesizwe, and later on, you know, the Azanian uh, 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 National Liberation Army, Azanla, uh, of the Black Consciousness Movement. Uh, rich history. Rich history. And, uh, yeah, you know, go check him out there, like he and I, You know what inspires me? with a comment like that, is that Ulaki took the opportunity. Uh, send us your voice notes as well, and you can take your opportunities as well. And uh, great, I mean, it would be great to go and visit uh, as the team here at Metro FM talk, uh, Lucky's uh, tourism, uh, uh, you know, uh, offering in that part of the world, taking people on tours of that historic township. And uh, we know the contribution of Shabville doesn't end in 1960, uh, but even in the 1980s, very much involved of course, in uh, the culture and the mood of defiance and uh, the consumer boycotts that we saw in the Val uh, alongside places like Sibu Gang. So we doff our hat 
uh, to the people of that part of the world realeboha certainly for all of the sacrifices uh, that you have made fascinating stuff and uh, you can continue to send us your voice notes so yes is jonga is kangales is mamele sisabela nakuni 15 minutes uh, it is before 9 p.m. We're under the microscope here on Metro FM Talk. Uh, this evening, as I said when we started, the big news is certainly some of those uh, yeah, outcomes are coming through from our courts on uh, 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 issues of uh, broad-based black economic empowerment, be it in the mining sector and uh, in the tourism sector. And, of course, one of them uh, in that challenge brought forward by uh, uh, AfriForum and uh, Trade Union Solidarity. Uh, and uh, this evening, have the chance uh, to speak about that particular matter uh, with uh, AfriForum's campaigns manager, Jacques Broedrake. Jacques, good evening and welcome. Good evening. Thank you very much for the opportunity and, and uh, good evening to your listeners. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Jacques, just give us a brief background on the genesis of this uh, uh, matter that you brought before the courts and uh, the concern or discord that you had uh, with how the Tourism Equity Fund had been designed. Yeah. Mm. But w- what did you make, I guess, of the suggestion, uh, certainly by many, that um, you know this is not just about transformation, but it's also about firm size. I mean, many of the smaller guys you know, uh, uh, who might be running tourism establishments by virtue of the size of their headcount or turnover would effectively, uh, you know, sorry about that, would effectively be exempted for some, from some of these obligations. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, and I guess whether or not that was captured in, in some of the regulations here or the design of this instrument. Well, that's, that's a very pertinent and very good question because, um, like we know, there are millions of South Africans who are employed by the tourism industry. Uh, and the government simply went on the principle that it should be a black-owned or black-managed company, and that is how we determine whether you get funding or not. Now, we know that there are hundreds and thousands of, um, of black South Africans, and I don't like to use the, the race terms, but apparently government does, who are employed by uh, tourism firms. And they didn't look at how many people are employed by a certain firm. They just decided that, is this firm black-owned or black black managed to a certain level, and that is what we will decide uh, whether they get funding or not. And that is absolutely unacceptable. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who have gone without work for months now because of this COVID-19 pandemic and government's reaction to it. Uh, black people and well, members of other minority groups who simply do not get an income anymore. Whether the, ma- the, 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 the company or the establishment is white-owned is irrelevant because there are a lot of people who have now not gotten an income, who could have gotten income, if government government was not as race based and race obsessed as they are. Mm. Well, well, Jacques. I mean, I guess you you can't avoid being race obsessed and race based in a country where, for centuries, you know, race determined what people could eat, who could, who they could sleep with, and where they could live. So I guess it is a material reality. But what do you make of? you know, uh, I guess the difficulty of many of the tourism entities to actually meet these 51%, uh, uh, you know, obligations of black ownership in a black, in a, I guess, uh, majority black country. I mean, uh, what does it suggest, I guess, about the state of transformation in the tourism sector? Well, I think we, uh, question whether it be at a guest house or a small hotel or a mm. restaurant is white owned. There are five or six or seven or 10 or 100 black people who work there. And, and never mind just black people, other mm. people as well, white, Indian, and no, colored Jacques, people. Jacques, I think the point is well made. I'm very sympathetic to that point, right? That economic participation comes in many forms. It's not only about ownership. So I think we're batting on the same wicket we are together there. But yep. what you're not responding to is why this 51% black ownership requirement is such a seemingly onerous one 
for many of the uh, entities that you ostensibly represent? Well, I think the big reason people who have political connections, Jacques, and that is the big problem. Hold the line there for me for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. When we come back, I want to come back uh, to uh, some of the, the issues that are arising uh, from uh, the outcomes from the courts and, of course, uh, this challenge that was brought forward by uh, uh, Trade Union Solidarity and Afri Forum. Follow at Metro FMSA for more information on the Metro FM black and white themed party uh, taking place on Saturday, the 25th of September from 12 p.m. until 10 p.m. Tickets available at the door at 250 Rand for general access. And remember, it might be level two, but we still need to be safe. So adhere to COVID-19 protocols and let's party together responsibly. The Metro FM's 35th birthday celebration, it's where it's at. We're under the microscope this evening. I'm in conversation with uh, uh, Jacques Bruderich and uh, we're speaking about uh, the uh, Supreme Court of Appeals' decision today to grant leave to appeal to Afroforum and Solidarity Trade Union, uh, who argued that the Minister of Tourism was not legally entitled to use triple BE criteria uh, for uh, emergency uh, funds related to the tourism sector. And uh, Jacques, before we went to the break... Um, I guess, you know, I'd pose the question, and I'm uh, once again quite sympathetic, I guess, to your view that uh, in the past, and even at this moment, BEE, there's a perception, whether real or perceived, uh, that uh, it's linked to all of those politically connected ones who are the ones who get to benefit. But if we look back again at the eligibility for funding under this Tourism Equity Fund, uh, the entities need to be predominantly black owner managed and controlled, that 51%. Now, I come back to the question I'd asked. Um, why would that be such an onerous requirement for many of the people you ostensibly represent in a country where I would argue it's not too difficult uh, to find black people who are either working in the space or even are working as workers uh, to have an ownership stake in some of these establishments? Why, why was that particular obligation, alongside many of the others, of course, that you have to be South African and that you have to be a registered entity, why that one is so difficult to meet? Right, so let's get trouble to read. Okay, you so know, it's real, Jacques. It's fine. No, no, we can speak, agree. It's speak, real. Let me speak. Let me speak. Let I'm interested. I'm Jacques. Jacques, I think we agree. ...on the last 10 years. Yeah. And you can draw the conclusion for yourself. So let's get back to the race-based issues. So South Africa has a very dark history of race-based laws, race-based mm. discrimination. And that's something we would like to get away from. Yes. Now, BE was a great instrument to try and achieve that. But unfortunately, it's been hijacked, and it is not realistic. It's, it did not turn out the way that any of us, South Africans, proudly South Africans, hoped it would turn out to be. It's become a political vehicle. Okay. Jacques? So that Jacques? is why it's become an honorous, sure. honor, an Jacques, honorous we can agree there. So, but I think I, yeah. want to, I want us to take the leap so, together, right? I want you to explain to me so that I also understand. Uh, yeah. So I think we so, agree. So you took, you took uh, a decent minute to paint the picture. So let me, okay. let me just take a minute Jacques. to paint a re-picture, and then we can get to your question. So your question is, why was it an onerous issue? So it's on the skin color. Mm. That's as simple as that. Jacques, I think a lot of what you're saying is arguable and we would agree maybe on a lot of it, right? And I'm saying that's not the issue in contention. I think what I'm trying to understand is why, and let's maybe take an example. So you might have a tourism operator who's in Kenton-on-Sea, somewhere in the Eastern Cape, family-owned operation. Now I'm asking what, what would be difficult in that context to have some combination of owner equity and some partnership with historically disadvantaged people to meet that obligation? Why has it been difficult at that level? I think the macro issues that you're raising around the hijacking of BE, around politically connected people, sympathetic to that. I think we're batting on the same wicket there. 
I want to understand it at the level of the tourism product provider. Why has this been so difficult and onerous? Well, I wouldn't be able, as far as the rights are concerned, this was an um, absolute abdication of rights. It was wrong. You can't, you cannot discriminate against people based on the skin color during a pandemic. So, efforts to 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 rectify injustices of the past, as the minister would like to put it, are legit in certain ex- certain mm. ex- uh, uh, examples, and it should happen. But it cannot happen under pandemic circumstances, okay. and especially when the court has found that she was wrong in bringing mm. in the e-laws into the uh, Disaster Management Act, which are not related at all, sure. then I think there's not much to argue about if the courts have found that she was wrong in trying to introduce laws that are not applicable to these relevant circumstances. Mm. No, and I can hear you there. I think, you know, the pandemic has been agnostic of, you know, firm size or even, you know, racial composition of owners in terms of its impact. Uh, so I certainly hear that viewpoint. Uh, but I think... You know, there's a broader question mark that uh, this particular matter might leave, which creates an impression that, you know, many operators in the space are not transformed. And I think what I wanted to understand is uh, what are some of the constraints, very real constraints um, to, uh, you know, white owned businesses and tourism operators in transforming their operations? I, I think it's a fair question. I'm sure it is a fair question. Unfortunately, it's okay. um, race as a solution or as okay. a benchmark. So asking questions about white-owned businesses or black-owned businesses is not something that I can comment on. Okay, all right. Thanks a lot, Jacques. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Jacques Bruderijk there speaking to us uh, from Afri Forum. Yeah, they don't see race. Uh, and yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, this is a privilege and fortune uh, not to see race. But uh, yeah, let us know some of your thoughts on that because uh, I'm still very interested. You might be a tourism operator operating a mom-and-pop shop somewhere in Plet or somewhere, you know, uh, in the nice parts of this country. What are the difficulties in getting some black ownership? I mean, I'm just quite interested in that, even, I guess, in the context of uh, uh, this leave to appeal uh, uh, some of the decisions around this issue. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm just battling to try and understand why it would be so difficult uh, at yours to go and get some of your workers to get ownership in your operation uh, or even uh, find another black person who has capital and is interested in the tourism sector.